Lord, you've blessed our church. You've blessed our families. You've blessed our lives with your love, Lord. And today we may even seem like we're at a point maybe we don't even deserve it. We've allowed the lie of the enemy to, to maybe say that to us, God. We recognize that your love was so great that it was for a world that was trapped in sin. And God, you love us so much. And we're thankful for that love of God that rescues us, that surrounds us. So today we, we rest in your love and the peace that that brings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you, worship team, for, man, just allowing us to have a few moments in God's presence singing together. You know, uh, one of our core values here at Abundant Life is that we worship God. But that's just not a Sunday morning thing. That is a through-the-week thing. We worship God in our daily lives as one of our core values. And so when we get to come together, and on, on Sunday mornings, you know, you just begin to express your heart corporately before the Lord. Man, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely love it. Well, um, we started a series a few weeks ago, Our Coming Savior. Right after Thanksgiving, we started this. And so far, we have seen the Christmas story uh, through the eyes of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and of course, John, who was brought, and uh, so that was the first week. The next week, we talked about King Herod and the wise men, and just how there were two opposing um, views of how the Messiah, the coming Messiah, was how, how that was being represented. Herod was on one end, he was extremely threatened and didn't like it, and then you had the uh, wise men who were really excited about that. Well, today, we're going to have a little bit of a humorous experience, uh, but what did the shepherds see? So let's enjoy this from the viewpoint of the shepherds. The sheep, the sheep, someone's got to stay with the sheep. What do you mean? The sheep, we just can't leave the sheep. Dude, they're sheep, they eat, they sleep, they poop, they'll be fine. That's the same thing you said when we went to the Mutton and Sons concert and we lost half our flock. Angels, Sam. A multitude of angels just popped out of the sky, and instead of sprinting to Bethlehem, you're all like, we have to consider the sheep and how their abandonment issues could contribute to their unstable emotional state. Last one there is a stanky loincloth. <laughs> I mean, that's what they do, right? They're called guarding angels? I believe it's guardian. I mean, who cares? Tomato, tomato, who cares? I mean, why are we still standing here? Someone has to stay with the sheep. You know it. I know it, and the sheep know it. Sheep don't feel. You can't prove that. Only one way to settle this then. Rock parchment shears. Loser stays with the sheep. Rock parchment shears shoot. Rock parchment shears shoot. Rock parchment shears shoot. The angel said today, in a town of David, the Savior will be born unto us. Yeah. But why us? Why a bunch of lowly shepherds? Guys, guys, I forgot my good cloak. Can you believe that? Can you believe me meeting the Messiah without my good cloak? <laughs> no one cares about your cloak, Frank. Besides, who cares? Why us? But they did. And I, you know what that tells me? That this Messiah isn't just coming for the people who matter. He's coming for people like you and me, too. And that's all the more reason for us to go. I know, and I want to. It's just a lot to take in. It's been a really crazy night. Sam, let me bottom line it for you. I, for one, cannot not go see the Messiah. And if you're telling me that instead of going to see the man who is going to change the world, that you just want to sit here and babysit some sheep, well, 
That didn't happen. I'm sorry. No way, pal. You're right. You're right. And I don't mean to pick, but you said cannot not. That's a double negative. Please, please, please don't say that when we're in front of the Messiah. Dude, he's a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. I don't think he's going to be on grammar patrol. All right, fine. Me talk pretty. Can we go now? Wait, wait, wait. I think I've got an idea. Guys, king of kings. Less standy standy, more runny runny. Come on, let's go meet the set. Hey, Frank, yeah. take a knee for a second. All right. We played rock parchment shears? Yeah. You lost. That was awesome, huh? Oh, and those guys did that for free, too. That is great. Kids, you are dismissed to go back with your teachers and enjoy your lesson. Can we give our kids a hand? So glad they were able to be with us today. I do love it when our kids are in here with us, don't you? I mean, but like the sanctuary just emptied out. At least this whole section just emptied out. So, wow, like all the kids were over here. And so that means if you don't want to, don't sit on that side if you're not wanting more kids, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but no, it was great. Great to see them go. <laughs> Everybody's like, we're moving to that side. What? Children and adults? Okay, children inside of adult bodies. I gotcha. I gotcha. What did you think about that? Can you put yourself in the place that the shepherds were that night? <clears throat> Imagine what they were feeling. Imagine um, the emotions that must have been going through their minds uh, when they're out just doing their job and all of a sudden this angel appears to them. All kinds of emotions. You see, these shepherds, they were the first to know about the Messiah. That's a pretty big deal the first to know about the Messiah, that he was here. Then, so not only did they have this first angel appear and scare them, but then all of a sudden you had, the Bible describes heavenly host in the sky singing hallelujah. It must have lit up the night. I, I don't know exactly what that looked like, but it must have lit up the night. <clears throat> what began in the shepherd's mind as just another ordinary night on the late shift, watching sheep, soon would unfold into the most extraordinary, one of the most extraordinary evenings of their lives. You see, they were blue-collar, maybe even under what we would call classify blue-collar. They were less than minimum wage, I'm sure, who were about to get front-row seats to angels singing, and they were going to have backstage passes, as it were, to the Messiah. Imagine what must have been going through their minds at that moment. Well, let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 2. If you want to turn with me to Luke chapter 2, we're going to pick up on this story here and uh, see what the scriptures say exactly. Uh, now, I'm not sure that the skit that we just did exactly follows scripture, uh, but it's an interpretation, a loose interpretation of what may have happened and the emotions that may, they must have felt. But Luke chapter 2, we'll start in verse 8 here and read this account of the shepherds. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of God's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. They were terrified, I can imagine. Out in the field, it's dark, 
and all of a sudden someone appears to them. Have you ever been scared at work before? <clears throat> Anybody ever had the experience where you're doing your thing and somebody sneaks up behind you and they scare the living daylights out of you? Um, I had that happen, as you know, my first job in ministry was cleaning. And so I was downstairs at the church where we were. There was an education building, and there was a basement. So it was away from the offices. It was away from everybody. I kind of enjoyed that because I got to my thoughts uh, on, my, on my own whenever uh, I was downstairs vacuuming. But for those of you who know how to operate a vacuum cleaner, <clears throat> um, Doug, <laughs> he's all, mm. um, the other night, Doug said, hey, honey, is there anything good on TV? No, Lisa said, honey, is there anything good on TV? And Doug said, yeah, there's dust. Um, okay, sorry. Um, let's get back. That was a squirrel moment. Let's get back. But I'm down there vacuuming, and people would come down, and they would scare me because you hear the roar of the vacuum, and that's all you hear. And somebody comes up, hey, Pastor David. I literally, I would jump out of my skin, it felt like. Well, then I got interns, and so I would send them downstairs to vacuum, knowing what I was about to do to them. I was going to scare the life out of them. It was just, it was a fun thing to do. I mean, I was still young in ministry. I would probably still do that today, actually. It's a fun thing to do, but being terrified at work, why is that? Because your mind is focused on what you're doing at that moment. You're zoned out, or you're in the zone, and then someone comes up, grabs your attention, and scares you. I imagine that's what the shepherds must have felt like. You see, these shepherds were societal out outcasts at the time. People didn't come out to see them. But God chose to send the angel to appear to the outsiders. Imagine their fear. Not only were they startled, but this was an angel. This wasn't just a normal human appearance, someone coming to them. It was an angel. They were surrounded by heavenly beings and the presence of God. I don't know if they had ever felt the presence of God before, but there was something that was there that was about that that was totally different, something they had never felt before. Well, as we keep reading, you'll see the angel knew that they were fearful and comforted them. Verse 10 uh, says, But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Now, why were these shepherds afraid? I think whenever we look at angels, typically around Valentine's Day is when we see angels most, right? They're little pale white little babies with a diaper on and they're holding a bow and arrow. Who's going to be scared of that, right? Koi. <laughs> right, I hear you, man. I'm with you on that. <laughs> I suppose if you saw a white baby floating with a bow and arrow, it would scare you. Good point, Koi. Thank you for bringing us back to reality. But these beings had to be something intimidating, to say the least. Let me correct something else about angels. We may think that they're babies who are floating on clouds. Some of us have even thought at times that our relatives are angels. Well, so-and-so, my great-uncle's niece, is my angel today looking over me. You know what? That's not scriptural at all. You know, that wouldn't scare us necessarily, right? Angels are not our deceased loved ones who, no, they're resting in the presence of God if they were believers. Man, that gives us great hope. These angels were created beings by God. Some were messengers, others come to minister. We read where they came to minister to Jesus, who were ministering spirits. 
but they had to be a little bit intimidating looking. And the shepherds were startled, and so the angel said, do not be afraid. If we go back to our first week with Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were scared too. That's how I'm thinking. These angels had to be kind of intimidating looking. We'll read Mary's story next week. You know what? She was fearful when the angel appeared, but they spoke words of comfort. They went from fear to peace, and we want to talk about that peace today and how they arrived at that peace. The long-awaited Messiah had been born. Let's keep going in verse 10 here of Luke chapter 2. It says, But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring uh, great joy to all people. Verse 11, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. That's important. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. You see, God chose to reveal the message of the Messiah to the lowest of society first. This was no accident that God did that. There were some very spiritual reasons why he did that. See, the message didn't come to the privileged people who were in the center of city life. You know, that would make a whole lot of sense that the elite people hear about the message first. You know, we want, we want, the, we want the elite to hear about the message first of a king being born. No, Jesus came to the lowest of lows in this particular society. It came to lowly shepherds on the outcast, on the outskirts of society. See, the shepherd's job and their way of life made it difficult for them to meet the religious requirements to go to the temple because they were dirty, they were filthy. They were not allowed to come into the temple. You had to be clean spiritually, of course, but also physically. You had to be clean to enter into the temple at this particular time. Shepherds couldn't enter into the temple. But what did God choose to do? He chose to send the angels to the lowliest first. God was intentional why he chose them. God wanted this hope to be for everyone, including the socially despised, including the economically depressed, including the religiously shamed. Now, I've been at that place. You have, we have all been at that place where we would be, and I'm going to put this in quotes, air quotes here, religiously shamed. Maybe we sinned greatly over the weekend, and we think, I can't even go to church. God knows what I did, and everybody else will too. And we feel shamed. Maybe sometimes we are made to feel shamed, right? But that's who God appeared to. In fact, the Old Testament records a story about a shepherd boy who would become king. We're going to go back to this whole city of David thing. Why did God go to the lowliest? Well, God went to David as well in the Old Testament. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 16. Keep your place here in Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> We're going to go to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. I want us to see the story of how God, or I'm sorry, how God, yes, how God sent a man of God to David. We'll pick up in verse 11. Samuel was the man of God who was sent to the household of Jesse. Jesse was the dad of this particular family, and he had several sons. And as we pick up this story, uh, Samuel, the man of God, had gone and said, all right, Jesse, come and line your sons up. I'm going to see. God told me I'm supposed to come to your house. The next, the next king will be chosen from your household. So these sons line up. And um, he keeps going through son one, son two, son three, down the line. He's like, you know what? None of these are the sons that God wants to anoint as king. Verse 11, then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? 
They're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. Verse 12, so Jesse sent for him, and he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he had, bought, that he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now here is David who was just brought out of the shepherd field or the sheep field. He was the shepherd. And God had the man of God anoint him straight out of the field. This is the man that I have anointed and chosen to be king. It was a shepherd. Now, if you want to write this down, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, we're going to flash forward in this story a little bit. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8 through 9. It says, Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies declared. I took you from tending sheep, the lowliest of the low. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who ever lived on the earth. And here we see that Jesus was born in the town of David. Okay? Look at verse 16 there in 2 Samuel 7. It's up on the screen. He, God promises, Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. You see, a lowly shepherd boy became a king whose family line would produce the Messiah. A shepherd boy to a king. Shepherds came to welcome the king in Bethlehem, the city of David. It's amazing how God worked that out, huh? Just by chance? I don't think so. God knew what he was doing. Yes, while David was a king, he started out as a shepherd around Bethlehem. So let's go back to Luke chapter 3. I had you keep your finger there. We're going to pick up in verse 13 and look about uh, what the Bible says about the angel's appearance here. It says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven, okay, again, we're not seeing little babies. We're not seeing family members here. We're seeing the armies of heaven. This had to be quite a sight. Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. See, the announcement of the Messiah was completed with this multitude of angels praising God. The intimidation turned to joy. The fear turned to joy, turned to praise of who God was. There was great joy. What we're going to do, we're going to go back to these um, to eight words that we want to look at, phrases from verses 10 through 14. We're going to break this down. Now, Luke records these words here from verses 10 to 14, and uh, these are going to be themes throughout his whole gospel of Luke, okay? But we're going to break this down for a moment, kind of like a quick word study on all of these. The first thing that we want to look at is the angels bring good news. Now, let me talk to you about that phrase for a moment, bring good news. That comes from a word that means to evangelize, or the same word that means to evangelize. When I say evangelize, what do you think of? <clears throat> you're sharing the gospel. You're preaching the gospel to people who've never heard who Jesus is. You see, it involves, evangelism involves words and emotion. 
I want you to think back with me just for a moment. Think about the time you became a Christian. You gave your life to Jesus. It may have been an okay situation that you were in, and God saved you, and then there was just this joy unexpressible. I want you to think back to that for a moment. By the way, Miss Joe, it is so good to see you. Love you. So glad you're feeling better. Think about those moments when God touches your life. You've had this moment of, of pain like Miss Joe had from the fall, and now she's back rejoicing again. Think back to that moment when you were saved. Think back to that moment when you were healed. You want to tell people all about it, and when you tell people how God worked in your life, it's not just, yeah, God saved me. No, there's emotion that is there with that. There's excitement that goes along. We have an opportunity this afternoon, after we finish with the, um, you know, the, the council ratification, we're just going to go down Foursquare Road and back up, and we're going to hand bags of cookies to our neighbors, and we're going to ask if we can pray for them. And this is not an intimidating thing at all. We've done this for years now, and our neighbors love us coming around. You have an opportunity to share your story with great joy. It doesn't take very long. We're at each house for a minute or two, Matt, something like that, just praying for the people, giving them their Christmas cookies. Hey, we have a Christmas service next week. We'd love for you to come. Can we pray for you? God bless you. It's that telling your story. It's that bringing good news. Words, preaching, telling your story, it's important. The words of good news bring the emotion of joy when God has been involved in it. Amen? It's kind of like receiving an unexpected gift, salvation, uh, God doing a new thing in your life. I was so blessed two weeks ago when I received an unexpected gift. Um, I was standing up here on the platform, and Mr. Stowe came up there, and he had this little, it looks like a dog bone, piece of wood with a paper clip on it, and you keep notes in it, but it says squirrel on the front of it. Because many of you know that I can chase squirrels from time to time. Squirrel! You know, there it is. I just went off on this tangent. What was it about that that made me happy inside? It was the fact that it was unexpected, and I knew that someone was thinking about me on their vacation. And I apologize to you, first service. I'm sorry you had to think about me on vacation. But it was unexpected. And it, what did it do? It brought me joy. I couldn't, I was just, I was so blessed. And it wasn't an expensive gift, but it was unexpected. Think about an unexpected gift that you have received and what did it do? Made you happy and you want to tell people about it. So what am I doing today? I'm telling you about it. Amen? That's what, that's what, that's what it does, that bringing good news. It produces joy. Have you ever noticed, that's our second thing, joy, have you ever noticed how joyful kids are at the little things? Two weeks ago, we had our toddlers in here, and Jean made homemade drums and these sticks with little cotton balls or something on the end of it, and they were playing the little drummer boy, and those kids, they didn't care that you were out there. They were just up here banging on them, having fun. They were having the time of their life, and they were happy. Most of them. Now, some of the kids were just kind of standing there. That's typical, right? <clears throat> but it doesn't take a lot to make kids joyful necessarily. Sometimes they get excited at breakfast. We get Cheerios, and we're thinking sugar smacks. No, we want Cheerios. You know, they get excited at the simplest things in life. Then on Christmas morning, they open up their toys, and they play with the paper in the box. 
It's the little things that make them happy. You see, no one has told these little kids, little one, I know you're only two years old, but you'll soon discover that life is hard and then you'll die. (laughs) No one tells them, stop being so joyful. Well, maybe sometimes we do. (laughs) Am I right? Could you just stop singing? You know, whatever. No one's told them that. I want to ask you this morning, have you found yourself being reminded of your childhood when things were much simpler and life was filled with wonder? I go back to that occasionally, that the, the, the excitement of Christmas, the excitement of life, the excitement of paper, <laughs> the excitement of a box. Christmas does that at times. There's a radio song, you may have heard this, it's called Where Are You Christmas? And it's this little girl singing, why can't I find you? What, what, why can't I find what I experienced long ago? Where are you, Christmas? I want to ask you a question about that joy that may, to have, that may seem to have been lost. Why did we stop being so joyful? Why do we criticize people who always seem to be joyful? We say things like this, they don't live in reality. I'm guilty, I've said that before. Right? They're, just, they're just too happy. What is wrong with them? They're too happy. Why not when it's the joy of the Lord? The Bible tells me that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? Amen. Why did we stop? The news of Jesus brings great joy. Christians should always be joyful. Now notice we're not talking happiness here. There are situations and circumstances in life where you are not happy. Am I right? Have you ever not been happy? I've I've been not happy plenty of times. I'm talking joyful because I understand, one, that Jesus is my Savior more than anything. Two, that in the difficult seasons of life, God has got me. He has got me. I'm going to go back to uh, almost three years ago or just over two years ago, three years ago, when Ella Kate was born. And uh, Stasha and I were not here. We were at the hospital because we thought for sure that um, she was not going to make it through the night. Do you remember that? That was a tough service. I wasn't even here. Um, We were basically doing a baby dedication expecting that, barring a miracle, she wasn't going to make it overnight, maybe even through that day. And the people leading that service, I think it was Matt and Mr. Stowe, they looked at each other. What do you think? And one of them said, God's got this. See, it wasn't a happy moment, but within that, there was an understanding that God has got this. And when I know that God has got this, my financial situation, my emotional state, my family situations, when I know that God has got this, there is joy within that because there is peace. There's a tornado going on around me, but God has got this, and he will see me through it. He will see you through it. I want to encourage you today if you're at that moment. God will see joy unspeakable and full of glory. James 1, 2 addresses this. James chapter 1, verse 2. says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Not happiness necessarily, right? But great joy. We have the greatest news of all time, and it's intended for everybody. 
this great news intended for everybody. That brings us to number three, people. A word that we want to look at here from verses 10 through 14. The word people is used 35 times in the book of Luke, and then Luke also wrote the book of Acts. He uses it 47 more times in that book. You see, the gospel is intended for people. This good news that we have that brings peace is for people, all people. Jesus is the Savior for all people. Joy is intended for all people no matter what you're going through at the moment. It's joy, and it's for people. It's intended, number four, today. I want to talk about this word today for a moment. You think, oh, that sounds exciting. Okay, just hang with me for a moment. The word today was showing the people that the time for the prophecy of Jesus coming, the Messiah, was today. What do I mean by that? The the time for the Messiah is now. Today is the day of salvation. I want to break this down so you can think about a today moment. <clears throat> Over 20 years ago, um, it was May something, middle of May, and Stasha and I were leaving Life Bible College East. I was coming back to Concord, North Carolina, and she was going to Mansfield, Ohio, and we were getting married July the 25th. It's two months. I didn't get to see her because we didn't have FaceTime. We didn't have whatever those other things are that you can video chat with people. We got to talk on the phone, but that was it. Those were a long two months. I was working. She was working. We were saving up money for the wedding. You know, I had to try to find a house. That's another squirrel story. Man, our first house. Oh, Lord, help me. I'm so sorry, honey. (laughs) It was bad. It was really bad. But when the day came for me to go to Ohio to see her, I woke up that morning and I said, I get to see my fiancé today. Today. When several, four and a half years later, we're expecting our firstborn. We had endured nine months. I should say Stasha had endured nine months. (laughs) And I was at the church, and I was working, and we knew the time was coming, and I was cleaning the toilets, you know, just swishing and thinking, Lord, I'm going to be a dad by the end of next week, maybe. And my phone rings. We had cell phones back then, by the way. We had cell phones then, too. But I'm swishing and doing all these things, and she calls, and she said, I think it's time, but you've got a few minutes, so don't hurry. Finish what you're doing, and then you can come home, and we'll go to the hospital. Dude. I'm like, squish the toilet. You know, I, so I do. I had to finish what I was doing because I just I had that sense of responsibility, but I don't know that I did a good job. So anyway, I ran home because today was the day that our boy was coming. That's what I'm talking about when I say today. Think about the vacation that you have planned. You have saved up money. You know, it's been two months since you started planning this. And then uh, it's the night before vacation, and you're so excited you can't sleep. And then the morning comes, and you go on vacation today. That's what that word is talking about. These people had been long awaiting a Messiah. Thousands of years. Now, for them, they weren't waiting thousands of years because they weren't that old, right? But many of them, all of their lives, they have been waiting. And the angel appeared and said, today, the Messiah has coming. Your grandpa, their grandpa, and their grandpa have been waiting for this, and you are about to experience Jesus, the Savior of the world. It was 
today. This was what the angel was declaring and the excitement and the joy that it brought today. He said, today a Savior, number five, will be born to you. Now in this culture, the word, the word Savior <clears throat> applied to uh, Roman and Greek rulers who would save the people from disease, danger, other predicaments that they would face. Greek gods were called Savior. This was not an uncommon word. The word Savior was not uncommon. This announcement of Jesus, the Messiah as Savior to the world, was stating that the Messiah could deliver them from what no other leader could deliver them from. The bondages of evil, sin, fate, death, and corruption. No other Savior could do that. A Savior is born to you who is Christ the Lord. Let's look at that word Lord for a moment. There's a big difference between Jesus being your Savior and Jesus being your Lord. When Jesus is your Savior, He washes your sins clean. You receive Jesus as your personal Savior, and He saves you. You're assured of heaven at those moments. You know, you're, you're going to heaven. Everything's good. But I want to talk about the word Lord for a moment because it's, 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 it's totally different. The word Lord appears 166 times in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke uses this word 95 times, so almost half, over half. He uses that word, Lord. He's wanting to show us something, the difference between Savior and Lord. Savior means ruler, and of course we know of his kingdom there will be no end. Uh, this was explained pretty easily to me this week. It made a whole lot of sense, a lot more sense this week. Um, I told First Service this story that uh, Nathan had gone to Miss Leanne and said, I don't know where he comes up with these questions, all right? probably from me because we kind of have the same mindset on things, squirrel. But he said, Miss Leanne, can somebody ride a blind horse? That's my son. I, he thinks about these things when he's shoveling stalls and all this. And Miss Leanne said, well, sure they can. Absolutely. And I think a follow-up question was this. Um, so, Miss Leanne, whenever you have the reins in your hand and the bits in the horse's mouth, uh, does that mean that the horse follows, uh, that the horse listens to you? And Miss Leanne's response was, yes, you are in control of that horse until it decides you're no longer in control of it. Is that fair? She trains horses and people on horses and all that. That's the idea of Jesus not only being Savior, but being Lord. See, when that horse has the bit in its mouth, we'll call that the Savior part, but once it decides that you're no longer in control, it's going to go wherever it wants to go. How often do we tend to do that? We're the horse. We're like, you know what, God? I know this is your plan, but I, I want to try this out real quick. I want to go. I, I know this is not your best plan for me, and there may be danger, but you know what? I like living on the edge. I should, I'm just, I love to live on the edge. That's just who I am. I live on the edge. At that moment, Jesus is no longer Lord of my life. He has saved me, absolutely. You are saved by grace. It's not your works. You're saved by grace. But when he becomes Lord of your life, you're handing the reins over to him and saying, God, lead me and guide me wherever you would take me, and I will follow you. That's Lord. And I believe that God is calling his church not only to recognize Jesus as Savior, but church, we've got to get back to where Jesus is Lord of our life. Because even though I want him to be Lord, 
Can I make a confession? Jesus is not always Lord of my life. I want to go try this out, and I haven't prayed about it. I want to go down this road, and I sense the presence of God saying, you know what? I, I, mm. I want to be a person that says, God, if you're like Moses, if your presence does not go with me, then I don't want to move. That's what Moses said. If your presence doesn't go with us, then God, we're going to stay put. But how often do I get impatient? How often do you get impatient? And Jesus is no longer Lord. We've become that in that moment. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. I want to be a part of that kingdom. Lord, I uh, want to give you full control. The final two words go together. The word glory, there from verse 14, and the word peace. Verse 14 says, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Notice the order. Give glory to God and peace will follow. Say this too. Give, um, give glory to God, peace will follow. That was an interesting question, Siri just said. <laughs> That's funny. Give glory to God and peace will follow. So we're setting God first in that moment. When I give glory to him, when I give lordship to him, Peace will follow. Recognize God, then you can have peace. Does that make sense? Let's keep going with this whole idea of glory and peace. I don't think the order is accidental. Put God first, peace comes. Look at Matthew 6.33. Just write that down if you're taking notes. Matthew 6.33 says what? Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things will be added to you. How often do we seek the other things before we've sought the Lord? God, will you bless this adventure that I'm about to go in? When in reality, the prayer should be, God, what adventure would you like me to go in? He says, this is the blessed way. Follow it. God, will you take away my pride and will you take away my thinking that I've got this? I'm going to go down that road. And God's not there. I want to make you Lord. Because when I follow God and give Him glory, peace will follow. Are you at a place where there's an absence of peace? Find out where God is, give Him glory, and follow in that way. What if I have to totally change my life? How bad do you want peace? Seek God and his kingdom above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. In just a moment, we're going to light the Advent candle. Advent is uh, something that we do celebrate here. It talks about love and, and joy and, and peace, and today's the third Sunday, so uh, we're going to talk about peace today here in just a few moments. So um, Nathan's going to light this candle. What the shepherds experienced that first Christmas night was the good news of an arrival. It was the first advent. The annunciation that, a revealed, that revealed a long-awaited Messiah had been born just over the hills in Bethlehem. What had seemed out of reach was now just a short walk away that would lead to fresh hope today and into the future. Everything could be different now because of this good news. Everything would be different now. Not just different 
for the Jewish people, different for all people. What we wait for today is the second advent, the second arrival of the Messiah when Jesus returns to the earth, just as the scriptures had said. What is Foursquare all about? What, is, what does Foursquare even mean? Really, that Jesus Christ, he's our Savior. He's our baptizer with the Holy Spirit to empower us for witness. He is our healer, and he's our soon-coming king. Jesus is coming back. Just as he, he came the first time as a baby. Man, when he returns again, it's going to be with power. And it's to bring us home with him. This was good news. The shepherds were focused on the first arrival on that first Christmas night. It was good news worth doing something about. Verse 15 in Luke chapter 2. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. You see, they hurried. The angel told them, hey, you've got to go, the baby's there. I like this principle here. My mom taught me this, not necessarily in these words, but you've heard me say this before. Parents, this is a great one, so write this one down for your children. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. You know what? Can we write that down for ourselves? <laughs> I said, parents, for your children, I need it for me. You need it for you. Let's be honest. We, we, we need this word that delayed obedience is still disobedience. The shepherds went at once to give this message of peace, of hope, and of joy. Verse 17, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. We'll talk about that next week. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. <clears throat> you see, the shepherds went back to the mundane task of work, shepherding. Tomorrow's Monday. Amen. You have come into a huddle today to be encouraged. This is a football huddle. We have come here today to be encouraged. We got our hands in the middle. There's words of encouragement. There's the pep talk that's happening. In just a minute, we're going to say break. And we get to go to the playing field. And that's Monday morning. I love Mondays. I know Mondays can't be, aren't always the fun days. But you know what? They should be. Because Christians have life of purpose. The shepherds went back to work. We've got to go back to work. We've been encouraged today. We've, we've heard about this message of joy, this message of peace, and we've got to deliver it. Monday's tomorrow. Think about the people that are going to come across your path and you've met with Jesus today. You've been encouraged today. Your life has been filled with peace and hope and joy today. Who needs to hear that message? You probably got a lot of people that you're thinking about. Yeah, I know so-and-so. Boy, they need some joy in their life. <laughs> You've got it. It's Jesus Christ. These shepherds were forever changed. When you were saved, you were forever changed, even though you went back to work. But now there's greater purpose. Every time you encounter Jesus, 
you are changed. Go tell the world. You may consider yourself nothing special. I'm not a preacher. I'm not an evangelist. The Bible says go do the work of an evangelist. Tell your story. So you've been knighted evangelist by God's word. Can we stand this morning? If you have Jesus, you have good news for the whole world. Where's God planted you? Go tell that good news. Amen. Go tell that good news. Jesus is born, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Dean and Rachel are going to come up here and they're going to dismiss us in prayer. Um, and they're going to make themselves available to you, by the way. If you need agreement in prayer, maybe you're a believer here today and you think, yeah, this whole joy and peace thing, Lord, it skipped this Christmas season. Let them pray with you. Let them agree with you in prayer. There is power in prayer, isn't there? So let them pray with you. If you've never made Jesus your Savior, I want you to come up here and pray. You know what? I, I need to be saved today. I need for Jesus to be my Savior today. They can lead you through that. As a matter of fact, we have a Bible we want to give you. This is your first time receiving uh, Jesus. Um, or maybe it's the whole Lord thing. You know what? I haven't been doing a good job of that lately. Will you agree in prayer that this week I've made Jesus Lord of my life? Amen. Amen. So they're going to dismiss us. Don't forget for the members, uh, we're going to have our quick rati uh, council ratification here so you can just stay put. What? Yeah, go get your kids and then come back in here. If you're not a member of Abundant Life and you want to see how this process works, we don't throw pots and pans in here, anything like that. This is a really cool thing. It's a cool process. This is very much a spiritual thing in the life of our church. You know, uh, money is a spiritual thing. You know, if you think anything less, money, money it is. But I just, you know, 2018 is going to be a big year. There's going to be a lot of things going on in 2018. 19. Oh, 2019. Thanks, Mel. Squirrel. Let's, yeah. 18 was a good year, but I don't, you know, let's, let's go to 19. A lot of big things going on. Um, and so we have an opportunity to talk about the council and who's going to be helping make some of those big decisions. But again, they're here to pray for you. Stasha and I will see you at the back. We love you.